I'm Melinda Schmidt, and this is Bring to Mind. While legislators decide whether or not to legalize same-sex marriage, with both sides of that issue expressing their strong opinion, millennials, those born between 1980 and 2000, are deciding their own forward trajectory with their gay friends, family members, and even the homosexuals within their church communities. I sat down with five millennials, Ashanti Petaway, Chris Burdick, Lebo Poe, Josh Kloss, and Crystal Anderson, to talk about sexuality. For some context about our little group, all five of our conversationalists work at Moody Bible Institute. All five are current students or graduates of Moody. I was the only boomer in the room. We're born between 1946 and 1964. We each had a mic in front of us, and today, on the topic of sexuality, we quickly narrowed our conversation to their views on homosexuality and faith. So we've got a room full of millennials. Uh, One of them just squeaks in on the uh, millennial age group, which we define uh, as 1980 to 2000. Kids, kids, young adults, excuse me. Um, All right, Mom. (laughs) It's happening already. Uh, Born between 1980 and and 2000. So uh, we're going to go around the room and introduce everybody and uh, get a little millennial opinion going today uh, on the topic of sexuality. So no pressure there, guys. Our first time out of the box. So let's just get everybody introduced. And Ashanti, let's start with you. My name is Ashanti Petaway, born and raised Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, I currently uh, work at Moody Radio as the coordinator for Urban Praise. And you can also catch me in the evenings, Monday through Friday. And a happily married man. And I can say I'm an alumni of the Moody Bible Institute, class of 2012. All right. How old are you? I'm 34. Okay. So you're the so one. So I'm the one who just squeaks in. Yeah. Born in 79. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, okay, Crystal, how about you? I'm Crystal Anderson, and I work with you and Josh <laughs> and Anita. And I am also a student at, well, I haven't graduated yet, but I am a student right now. I have one more year. Um, I'm a little bit older than the average student. I'm 28, so I'm still a millennial, though. <laughs> Gee, Crystal, were you a millennial finding yourself, perhaps? I'm finding myself, <laughs> doing things backwards my own way. Yeah, blazing my own trail. But, All right. Yeah. Uh, where were you born, raised? Tucson, Arizona. Nice. Yep. Okay. A little bit different from Chicago, okay. but good. Uh, Chris? I am the youngin' in the group. I am pulling up the tail at 23 years old. Uh, I was born and raised in the Indianapolis area, although I consider myself a Chicagoan. I don't know if I technically count yet. I've lived here about five years. Um, I'm a Moody grad, graduated in 2012, and I work on the web team. So I build websites for Moody Radio. And we love you. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> we so need our our uh, web person, Chris Burdick. Uh, newly engaged. Yes. Uh, looking forward to getting married in October. Um, little interesting note, I think is interesting as a boomer. You're 23? 23. 23. And your fiance is? 27. Yeah. Wow. Remember the old days where the guy was <laughs> always older yeah. than the woman? Yeah. Breaking the mold. Okay. Lebo, how about you? I'm Lebo Poe. Um, I'm from South Africa, born and raised in Johannesburg, so city girl through and through. Um, came to Chicago two years ago, 
and I'm a student at the Moody Bible Institute. I'm 31 years old, and I disagree with Crystal. Like, I don't think that there's an order in how, like, things should be done. I think there's <laughs> there's God's order in how things should be done, and this is where God has us in this time of life, and, and that's what He has. But, like, it may not be the norm to everybody else, but it doesn't mean that that's not His order. Okay. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And finally, Josh Kloss. Yes, I'm Josh Kloss, and I was born and raised in upstate New York, a little town that most people haven't heard of. And yeah. I'm What's pre- the name of it? Uh, Cortland. Anybody heard of it? No. My mom went okay. to high school in Cortland, New York. That's true. Oh, my goodness. What are the odds? Our moms <laughs> went to high school together. But um, yeah, and so I work here at Moody Radio producing Bring to Mind and working on Music Through the Night and Midday Connection as well. And how old are you? I am 25. Okay. I'm not telling how old I am, but I'm a boomer and I love working with all of you. Uh, you, you bring me a lot of energy and uh, I just love it very much. Um, okay, here's a caveat before we get going on this. The perspective of all of you um, somewhat is through having attended Moody Bible Institute, and you all work here. So we want to say that. If we had had somebody from the University of South Carolina, a group of people, you know, that might be different, or, you know, Judson College, or Nyack, or Wheaton, or wherever. So we need to say that's our demographic profile here. Um, But today we want to uh, kick around the topic of sexuality. What did you say when I mentioned that earlier, Ashanti? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. No surprise there. But a little tricky today because um, the the previous norms in in Christianity, we'll say, that uh, were widely held and and believed in and actually supported in Scripture have been challenged by current culture and what is unfolding. And so uh, we think of um, homosexuality. Um, then there's the transgender movement, et cetera. And so I'm just kind of wondering, you know, I don't know who wants to start first here, but how, how do millennials, you know, we're generalizing, how do you guys, let's say that, how do you look at homosexuality? You're at a conservative Bible institute, and so we know that Scripture says homosexuality is sin. Uh, and yet uh, I'm finding more and more and talking to to young people that some of your friends and family members are gay and so how how do you look at it i think for me um i became a christian a lot later on in life um and i worked in the fashion industry um and also just in generally in the entertainment industry so i worked around a lot of homosexuals um and became really close friends to a lot of them in fact one of my closest friends is gay and um we like we lived life together. If he wasn't at my house all the time, I was at his house all the time. So becoming a Christian, that kind of presented a, a bit of a, uh, what do I do? But I couldn't deny the history. I couldn't deny the friendship. I couldn't deny the fact that he was loyal, that he had my back more than my heterosexual friends, actually. And so he was a, a truer friend than a lot of people had been to me. And I like I couldn't just disregard that and so I had to look at how do I love him in in the way that Christ would love him um, and what does that mean and and it's 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 kind of a tense 
a tense line mm-hmm. um, yeah. because you don't want to condone it because you know that the Bible says that it's wrong. God's word, God says it's wrong. But I'm also not going to cut them out of my life because now I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? Yeah, I uh, I live in a community and my church is in a community here in Chicago that has a very high homosexual population. And one of the things that God's been laying on my heart a lot recently is that these are people who desperately need him. And they don't need me to tell them that what they're doing is wrong because the church has certainly done plenty of that. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that I have a burden for and that I really want to see is, first of all, that I can develop some relationships with these people to understand where they're coming from so that we can have better conversations. But I'd also, I'm really disappointed with the way that the church talks about, or in most cases, doesn't talk about this issue because it's just as prevalent in the people in the church as it is outside, whether Mm -hmm. they're struggling with it publicly or whether they're struggling with it privately. Mm -hmm. And so I have a real burden to see this as an issue that we dialogue about in the church. So you're concerned there's not a place for homosexuals in the Christian church? Absolutely. And I know that's something that our small Baptist church here in downtown Chicago is trying to figure out, is how we can best um, speak into this community in a way that's loving and also very authentic to the gospel. Yeah, and even just showing them Christ. I went on a trip once and there was a woman who lived a lesbian lifestyle, and she was sharing with me that her partner worked at a Catholic school and had just gotten fired when they found out about their relationship. And so I was just processing through the whole thing with her and saying, I don't think what they did was wrong. I think that um, your partner does not abide by what Catholicism stands for. But at the same time, I do want to help you process through how this is affecting your life. And at the end of it, it was really amazing because she completely understood that I didn't agree with how she was living her life, but she was so amazed that a Christian cared enough to hear her story. And to be in relationship. Mm-hmm. And and have you heard, like, growing up that it's not about relationship, it's about truth and letting them know that this is sin, and we hate the sin, but we love the sinner, and, and less about relationship. Well, and I think we try to put up this dichotomy of an us versus them idea that, you know, the homosexuals are in this entirely different category. And in reality, they're people and God loves these people. And we have to relate to them just as we would anyone else in the church. And, you know, we have to see their sin as no different than ours. They're just at a different place in this story. And we have to find the best way, I think, to introduce God into that story. Well, Ashanti, I wonder how you would weigh in on this, because I've heard from another African-American that homosexuality in that community is not acceptable. That's a, I, I don't, it's hard to, it's not acceptable depending on where you're at. It's never one of those things where it's like, hey, we love it. Uh, but you know it's there. Like you see them, uh, quite frankly, in the church. You see them in, as choir directors. You see them serving in different ministries. I grew up AME, and I remember uh, Terry. Yeah, he was gay, and I didn't know anything about it. Like at the, my young age, I you know I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know it meant anything. It was just kind of like, oh, that's Terry. You know, that's how he is. That's I don't know if he was actively uh, living out the homosexual lifestyle, but. Uh, it was just kind of one of those things you just knew was there. Uh, but one thing Chris said that uh, kind of hit with me was this idea of saying there's no place for homosexual or homosexuality within the church. Honestly, I think there's no place for sin in the church, in particular when it comes to sexual sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, uh, 
masturbation is a sin. Premarital sex is a sin. Uh, me and Crystal were talking about that. It's one of those things. Homosexuality just to me falls into that same category of someone who struggles with lust and it's manifested in a different way. Uh, for me as a guy, my lust manifested in my attraction to women and I still had inappropriate thoughts, but that was still sin. For someone else, it's okay. I looked at this guy, had inappropriate thoughts, and it's still sin. And I think we need to create an environment in the church where we can openly struggle and openly express our issues and then be able to deal with it and address it in a way where it's not one of those things where we co-sign it and say, hey, it's okay, brother. It's okay, sis. You can keep doing this. But more so say, hey, listen, it's okay. I love you. I still believe you're a Christian. And we need to work on dealing with the sin issue that you're wrestling with. Uh, but, okay, theoretically, this all sounds great. Mm-hmm. What would it actually be like in your church if uh, a lesbian couple or a male gay, gay couple decided to come to your church? Now what do we do? Uh, you know, they're a part of the fabric of your church filled with families, et cetera. I think you have to. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I jump in too early? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have to weigh multiple things. Them being in the church, no problem. Uh, if they are claiming to be followers of Christ, we need to address the sin issue uh, and deal with that. So until we address that, um, Certain things wouldn't be allowed as far as like, I'm not going to have you teaching Sunday school. I can't say I necessarily have you on the ushering team. Uh, but that's, uh, you know, because I think, you know, if you're going to say I'm a follower of Christ, then I am now adhering to what uh, the standards of what mm-hmm. that means. And if I don't want to, then that's fine. You can still come to service every Sunday. We'll still love on you. Um, but you can't expect us to necessarily agree. You can expect us to love, but you can't necessarily expect what us to agree. What is that verse in First Corinthians that says, do not, um, this is my paraphrase, hang out with a list of sinners, one of which is homosexuals. And then uh, Paul says, uh, not non-Christian homosexuals, but I'm talking about Christians. So our professed Christ-following gay and lesbian couples you know, do they belong in, in church or do you feel like, hey, they're struggling with sin and we need to have a place for them as they struggle? Well, struggling, uh, uh, struggling and um, thinking it's not a sin are two different things. Um, and I think that's the hardest part that church isn't realizing is that when someone comes forward and says, I struggle with this. And a lot of times there's the, oh, my gosh, then there's something wrong with you. We need to fix you. We need to send you to counseling. And I've actually seen this happen before with someone who came out and tried to share their struggles. But that's a totally different situation than somebody who's coming in and saying, I think this is fine. I think the Bible is OK with it. Um, well, then we need to go back and look at scripture together because this is a sin and that's something that needs to be addressed before anything else. I kind of think of, I remember when, when I was in, in, in retail and um, my the owners of, of the company that I worked for, they were like, your team is a reflection of yourself. Now, as a pastor, you're put to shepherd your flock. And so I've got to wonder if, if you have um, homosexuals in your church and, and they proclaim to be Christ-loving, um, how maybe we need to look at how you're preaching God's word and how you're flocking, like how you're leading your flock um, and, and just, just that responsibility, like take that responsibility more seriously um, 
and just I think where 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 do we allow space for the Holy Spirit? Because I think a lot of the times um, pastors and ourselves will jump in in the place of the Holy Spirit. And so in terms of leading, I'm not just saying like what are you saying when you're up there on the pulpit, but how how are you leading in terms of allowing the Holy Spirit to be the Holy Spirit and not saying okay you need to take steps one two and three to make this happen. But are you calling your family and saying let's pray, let's trust, and let's believe? that the Holy Spirit will break through this person's heart and will show them that their sin is real and, and that they do need to turn away from it and, and come to me as, as God. Well, and we speak so cavalierly about uh, homosexuality. Can we even begin to imagine what it's like to be in those shoes, to struggle sexually with same-sex attraction, to know that if I follow the biblical mandate that it's sin, that that means there's no future of family for me or marriage, and that I am called to this really difficult, this road. Ashanti, mm. you're going crazy across from me. This is, a, this is my only struggle, to, to take on the mindset that there's no hope. I think that's... Um, well, there's no hope for those things. As not necessarily, that, because my thing is... We have to believe that in Christ we can be we can be renewed. Mm. So that for some people it may mean that that they live that out, but they also have to realize they could be delivered. And I think that's the separation you have to understand. Like that is, we are new creatures in Christ. Your identity is in Him, and you know what? There are going to be those who fall on one side who may not okay. be delivered, but there are those who will say, you know what? The Lord will renew them in such a way. And they will lose that desire for that same-sex attraction. Okay, but I'm speaking generally. Okay. You're 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 well, imposing a lot of knowledge that someone would take in. But okay. for the average struggling person on the street, like say in Chris's neighborhood, mm-hmm. what's it like to be them? But okay. I don't think any of us are guaranteed marriage. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know plenty of older women in my church and older men who have never gotten married, and they have those same desires. Um, and so it's not that it's not something all of us are guaranteed. Now, I think in the church, it's especially hard given how family oriented and marriage oriented we are as a church. Um, but yeah, it's not necessarily a completely different struggle. I'm, there are certainly aspects that are different, but yeah. it's not completely. I'm just wondering if we're a little short on empathy for the gay community because we, you know, we're quick to point out that it's sin and go to the spiritual. But what is it like to be them? Well, yeah. we have a, a gentleman in our church who I'm really thankful to have gotten to know him because he's a gentleman who was living an openly gay lifestyle, was living with another man, and, you know, God got a hold of his heart. And now he's he's a part of our church, and he's he's in a community group, and he still, he refers to himself as a gay Christian, but he does not at all practice that lifestyle. And I have a lot of respect for him because that's a really tough position to be in. And I think he's in the position that you're describing, Melinda, mm-hmm. that he sees that that he has a future now of singleness, but his future isn't necessarily characterized by singleness. It's characterized by holiness. And singleness is a characteristic of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think we have to focus on that, that, you know, the opposite of homosexuality isn't heterosexuality, it's holiness. And God calls us each to different things. And, 
you know, as, as a member of this church, some of that language can be uncomfortable for me to hear that someone's a homosexual Christian. But I, I feel like my responsibility in that is to pray and to pray that, that God would help me to see like, with what you're saying, empathy, but also as, as a, a sort of up and coming leader in my church to pray that God would help me to be faithful in the way that I interact with these people. I agree that going back to what I said before with churches seeing freaking out about the sin and wanting to fix the person that instead it should be relational that we're coming alongside you no matter what sin that you're confessing and struggling that we're going through this journey with you and our goal is for you to be closer to the Lord and the Lord is the one that's going to figure out your life for you and how it's going to look and kind of what you would rebuked me for earlier about life and the journey and all of that, that, yeah, it is what God wants us to do with life. And it's his plan. It's not what society tells us. It's not what the church tells us. It's what God um, is going to reveal to us. And that'll be truth that actually changes your life. And I think that means doing what Chris was saying is facing those those words that 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 you don't want to face the terms. It's 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 about being direct, and it's about being okay with being direct. Um, because I, Wait, personally, how, what do you mean I by just, that? Well, I I think that what what you were saying earlier on, or actually it was Chris. Sorry, he said how the church doesn't really deal with the issue. Um, and for me, just being a South African and coming into the the evangelical conservative um, uh, Christian uh, circle here, um, it's just I see how we we will rather not deal with something because that's grace, and and I don't think that that is grace. I think that that's just us not wanting to stand up to something or not wanting to to kind of get dirty and, and figure yeah, it out Yeah, are we together. not dealing with it because it's out of fear? Yeah. So I've, I do feel like we are held back a lot by fear. Um, so for me, when I struggled with my friend become, when I became a Christian, was the fear of what would my other Christian friends think of me? Am I really Christian in still loving this person? Um, and, and just allowing that fear to hold me back from being the friend that I'd always been to him and, 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 uh, and just continuing that friendship. Do you all feel a sense of hope for the church um, in, in the decades ahead because of how you look at what we've been talking about today? Are you more hopeful than maybe looking at the church of your youth that maybe, maybe this wasn't even on their radar, you know? back then. But are you more, are you hopeful for the church? I think one of the things that it's excites me is that we have a, a culture that, and this is going to sound contradictory, but we have a culture that is much, that doesn't reflect our values anymore, that has completely different outlook on life. And so as the church, we have an opportunity to stand and to to speak more plainly and to say, this is who we're going to be and to be faithful to that. And I think we'll see the church is, is more recognized in those places and that people will see the, the true gospel for what it is. And so I'm excited about that. And, you know, that's a heavy burden on us, but at the mm-hmm. same time, it's an incredible opportunity. I think I want to see the church stand up and say, we, we got it wrong. We're sorry, but we, we do get things wrong and being okay with getting it wrong um, because I think then that makes us a lot more approachable is when we we admit 
our mistakes and, and become more vulnerable in, in, in that regard. Yeah, we don't need a spin, doctor. God can take care of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I look forward to seeing the church uh, take on the mindset that says, listen, uh, we're all born sinners. Uh, those of us who have found Christ, we've been redeemed. And that is the only thing that has made us, uh, I don't want to say cool, but that's the only thing that has gotten us okay with the Lord, Christ's work on the cross. And in that, learning to, one, be more transparent in the fact that Christianity is not living perfection. Mm. Uh, Our perfection is found in Christ and that alone. And then, therefore, being able to operate with each other in a level that says, hey, listen, this is my struggle, this is my issue. Work through it with each other. Discipline each other when necessary. Uh, and love on each other because I think sometimes we've caught the bad rap and it's some of our fault that we just judge sin and it's one of those both and where it's like listen sin is wrong me telling you you're wrong is it that sin is wrong is it me judging you it's just the fact that it's wrong but how I do it uh, I forget I was reading the scripture where it talked about just kind of doing everything in love and gentleness uh, restore your brother and you know you got to do it in gentleness and love and compassion Melinda Schmidt, and this is Bring to Mind. Josh Kloss is our producer, assisted by Crystal Anderson. Our engineer today was Chris Seagard. Our millennial panel was made up of two women, Crystal Anderson and Lebo Poe, and three men, Josh Kloss, Chris Burdick, and Ashanti Petaway. We'll talk with another group of millennials in the future. Let us know of a topic you'd like them to talk about and hear their discussion when you email us at bringtomind at moody.edu. And we're posting additional content on our homepage at bringtomind.org about today's topic. And follow us on Twitter at BTM Podcast. Next week, Millennials Under the Microscope.